Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by the Annie Selkie Companies, who along with selling rugs, bedding, furniture, and decor, are adding a bed and breakfast to the mix. More on that later in the episode, along with a 15% off coupon code you can use at annieselkie.com YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're sharing the complete Beach House Waterline saga, how we dodged a $15,000 bullet and survived nearly 20 hours of tiling. Also, there's a rant about germs, and I have a new secret identity. Oh, the baby chair hurts this morning. I feel like you might hear our bones creaking on this podcast today. It's hard to squeeze myself into this little tiny recording chair. (laughs) Uh, We just got back last night like at 10 p.m. from our two-day tile extravaganza at the beach house. 19 solid hours of tiling four floors of four different rooms. And I realize you guys are hearing this a little bit late because we had the special episode that you listened to last week. But we've got a lot to tell you guys, so we just set up the mic and hit record. I'm like, you know, the old lady in Titanic. I feel like I'm 100 years old. It's mostly my feet that are just really sore. And also I have tiny cuts on my hands. So like it hurts to type on the computer. Yeah, we're a mess. We're getting older, guys. I was literally texting my DIY friend, Jenny Commenda. Shout out to Jenny Commenda. And we were both sharing like pain relieving tips. Like I said, we're being powered by ibuprofen. And she was like, there's this new thing you rub on with lidocaine that actually helps. Like we're 100 years old. (laughs) Anyways, I think our challenge this morning is to tell all this in the most coherent way possible because it's been a winding, weaving few days. So we're going to back up before we get into the whole waterline saga, which you guys have probably seen on Instagram and Facebook. We're going to back up before that, because really how this all started was a few weeks ago, it was looking like we could finally get in there and tile. And so what we did was we booked a rental property in Cape Charles, just a block away from our house so that we could spend a few days there. We even invited my parents to come along so that they could watch the kids, like take them to the beach and have fun while we went and worked on the house and actually got some tile done. Well. Guys, best laid plans. Yes, hiccup number one (laughs) is like after we made our reservation, it was non-refundable. We found out from the contractor that he was slightly behind on things. And so. Not to his fault. It was too humid. So the drywall wasn't drying as quickly as he thought the mud. So they couldn't sand as quickly as they thought. And the walls needed to be primed and ready in order for us to tile. Yeah. So we couldn't actually tile when we were going to be there. So, I mean, it wasn't the worst thing in the world because it just We meant, actually had a vacation. Yeah, man, we could just go sit on the beach with our kids. Then there was hiccup number two. Oh, wait, two. no, but I have something funny to tell you. So, guys, oh. John doesn't know about this. So, we rented this house, and it was really cute. It was a block from our house. It was good reconnaissance to see what rentals were doing and what they were set up like, what kind of furniture they use, what kind of couches are durable, all that stuff. And we got in there, and John's parents were remarking... They have so much furniture, I feel like we could arrange it in little groups because what, no judgment, absolutely none. But it looked like they just sent things over there after they were done with them in their own house and they kind of all ended up against the walls. And some of the rooms had rugs and I thought, oh my gosh, I could set the furniture up around the rugs, like create floating furniture. Did you stage? No, this is what you don't know. So we know the woman who rents these houses. She's the property manager for the houses because she's also the person who yeah, sold she's the realtor who we bought house. our house through, yeah. Right, right, right. So I covertly texted her. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, listen, we are hired by people to stage stuff and this house has so much furniture that for free, for fun, I would stage the two living areas of this house 
And then I said, but I understand some people would like that and some people would not like that. No pressure. I know it sounds crazy. Feel free to say no if they're not people who would enjoy that. And I saw the little dots like she was typing and I was like, oh, I already know. I'm going to put this chair over there. I'm going to put this chair over there. And she was so sweet. And she just was like, these are not the people who would like that. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. And she said, we even as a rental agency have encouraged a few layout changes, but they like everything where it is and it totally worked for our family I just was a little sad inside because I knew what it could be (laughs) but we still enjoyed the house right like it didn't really take anything away from our visit no no it was I just had (laughs) I had visions of getting to move things around and be like (laughs) ta-da and John didn't even know what happened so I was like laughing and staring at my phone and waiting for well no I could tell you were itching to do that oh yes but I didn't know you had actually inquired and got shut down and the house was pretty similar to ours which was cool just to see like the facade that well, had been all fixed up. It was larger than ours. They had more rooms than right. ours. Right. They had basically one extra room back. So from the street, it looked very similar to yeah. ours. It just was deeper than ours. Well, may I get back to our hiccups, though? Yes. Yeah, so hiccup number one was not that I wasn't allowed to rearrange no, the hiccup furniture. hiccup number one was that we couldn't do any tiling while we were there. Hiccup number two was that we almost didn't get to go at all. Because if you recall, our dog, Burger, had had a surgery a few weeks ago. And after we recorded the episode where we told you about it, he had a little bit of a complication. Uh, one of the stitches in his eye where they had removed that little mass um, had come loose. Under his eyelid. Yeah, like inside. irritating his eyeball. And we could tell something was wrong because it was red and just he looked more uncomfortable. And he had been sort of on this road to recovery and the trajectory changed and he seemed to be getting worse. So we rushed him right back to the doctor and we're like, yeah, we need to solve this because we're about to go away on vacation. Or should we not? Does he need a follow-up surgery? Like we were really nervous about it. There were like four days where we were at the vet just about every day having them check on it because he developed a little bit of an ulcer from it. We had to had these special eye drops that we gave him several times a day, which involved muzzling him each time so that I could... <laughs> he would not let us just like open his eyeball. We had to pry his eyeball open and put these eye drops in. <laughs> the good news is that he did get better, but just, I mean, it was just in time for us to go on this trip. Like we literally had our last vet appointment in the morning we were leaving. We left from the vet's yeah, office. We had the car packed and ready to go, knowing that we could go to the vet, get bad news, and drive back home. But they were like, he should be fine. Call us if anything happens. And he definitely, he has one more appointment to be like completely cleared of this whole issue. But he definitely seems to be okay. He's still a little bit winky and watery, but it's his eye repairing itself from the ulcer, not having anything to do with the eyelid anymore. Yeah, because the... Alternative, if it was not getting better on its own and through the eye drops, was that he would have to go under again to have the stitch removed surgically. Yeah, and nobody, including the doctors, wanted to put him under again because he has that heart condition we mentioned. So it was a long, arduous road. So that was hiccup number two. Yes. So we got finally to Cape Charles to spend just a few days. I think we were there three nights. We were just going to enjoy it, check in on the house a little bit, but not really do any work there. We didn't really have work duties. We couldn't because it wasn't ready for us. Yes. Until we got there and our contractor gave us just one little tiny assignment. (laughs) Which was... Hey, can you go down to the town office and ask them to come mark your water meter? Because typically the water meters are right in front of each of the houses on the street, but ours is a little bit overgrown, and so they were having trouble finding it. And they figured, well, we'll just call the town and have them come mark it. I guess their calls had gone unanswered. Yeah, they had called the town a few times. 
And nobody had come and marked it or gotten back to them. But he wasn't thinking very deeply about it. He's like, you're the homeowner. Maybe they don't care about the contractor. So you guys go down there. You're paying for this service. We've been paying for eight months, $100 a month to keep it connected. Because one of the first things we heard when we bought this house in Cape Charles was, listen, don't let your water lapse. I know you think it's you're not going to use it for eight months while you rebuild the house, but there's a reconnection fee. Yeah, there's like a several thousand dollar reconnection fee, apparently. So it's actually cheaper to pay for this water we're yeah. not using. It's like the lore of the town. I've heard it's $9,000. I've heard it's $13,000. It's not a dollar. So we went down to the town office, which is just like two blocks from our house. While we were there. The- we walked there. Yeah, it was very quaint. We just... Talked to the nice woman there and she was like, oh yeah, I think we can send the uh, meter reader over and he can tell you because he's been reading your meter. So we walk back over to our house, then a golf cart shows up shortly after (laughs) with the meter reader in it because everyone there uses golf carts. It's very cute. So we're standing in front of our house waiting for him to come sort of like point to it. But where does he drive to? The next street over. (laughs) We're like, no, no. We're over Our house here. Is here. He's like, but your water meter's over here. It's like three houses down and a house or two over. And he stands on a meter and he goes, I'm 100% sure this is your meter. And then our neighbor, you know, who's three houses down on the corner, comes out and says, no, no, that's my meter. And then he moves like eight feet over and he stands on another meter. Yes, and he even says, further down the street. He says, I'm 100% sure this is your meter. And we're like... Plot twist. Plot twist. And then we're like... Why is our meter literally on a different street in front of different houses? Essentially what it was was that our water line ran behind our house under two neighbors' yards and a shed to this water meter that was on the side street. It literally, this line ran through four people's properties. Only one of which was ours and three other homes. Yeah, I think what had happened probably was originally all the water was on that street. And at some point, we think maybe in the 90s, they had moved it to be actually on our street in front of the houses. But for some reason at that point, the person who owned our property chose not to move it to the front of the house. So we were the only house on our street with the water still going to the side street. Right, but that was not a useful line anymore. That line had been broken up by tree roots. They turned it on, it leaked in 30 places, and everyone agreed right away, like, we have to abandon this line. Yeah, I don't think that we could have gotten a plumber to repair that or dig a new one. I mean, I think it literally went under our neighbor's shed. Right, like, if we ever had a problem with the line, we would be flooding other people's property. We'd need liens, or what were they calling them? Oh, an easement. You're, like, buying a sliver of land in everyone's property or, or getting, getting permission, permission to, use, permission it. to yeah. use it. And we knew from talking to our neighbors who are very kind and sweet that nobody wanted that line to be alive because if something happened and it flooded their shed, what was I going to do? Move their shed to fix it? You would say you were really sorry. (laughs) So essentially what happened is we went back and forth with the city saying we've paid for this and we're existing customers and we need accessible water. And if we all agree we need to abandon that, how do we get accessible water? The issue here is that our street is divided in half by a big grassy median that's filled with all these mature crepe myrtles. It's very pretty, but... The water main is on the other side of that median from our house. And the first thing we heard from the city was that it would be our financial responsibility to connect to that. Right. They said it'll be around $15,000. You get a contractor, someone who knows city streets. They're going to jackhammer across the road. They're going to dig up through the median but not hurt the tree roots. And they're going to jackhammer through the other road. And that's where you're going to tie in. So just around fifteen grand. 
And you oh, know yeah, what? Just around 15 grand. You know, just that little number. <laughs> We're like, uh, that's a car. Right. That's a lot of things that I don't want to spend on digging up like three streets, basically. <laughs> and we're like, oh, our neighbors are going to hate us. We shut down the street. The craziest part to me was that a bunch of people had told us once it's beyond the curb, that's the city. Uh, Joe Schmo can't dig up the street. Like the city has to do that. Right. But the city's argument was just because someone 30 years ago didn't get this line connected, right. the city like, shouldn't have to retroactively dig up streets We were to paying fix it. for the sins of the previous owners, basically. Exactly. So it became a back and forth for a few days of trying to figure out how how we could come to agreement on getting this house connected. The good news was that they uncovered a proposed plan from, I think, 1993 that seemed to indicate that there actually was a waterline run to the front of our house. It had the initials WM written in front of our house. Water meter. Which stands for water meter. And we got this excited email from the guy who was working with us with the city saying, we think we found something. We might be able to dig. There might not be an actual meter, but there might be a line or a connection that we can tie into. So that's when they came out with like metal detectors and... A guy hand dug for a little while looking for it. No one was having any luck until they finally, when we were there just two days ago, came out with an excavator and like dug, what, like four or five feet into the ground? It, guys, it was like Bob the Builder. Like they rolled up with the big yellow excavator and the it like digs deep into the earth. They went like four feet down in many holes. They had cones up so people didn't fall into them. They dug a deep channel in the front of our house along the grassy part that's right in front of the curb found nothing and just said, guys, I think we're really out of luck. This is where it would be. And then they said, you know what? Maybe we'll dig behind this little concrete pad that's sort of like a- A little driveway. Yeah. And they said, well, go behind that in the grass and dig because it's possible it could have come under that pad before that pad was poured. So in digging across the grass, we might not uncover it, but if it runs under the concrete pad, we'll do you a solid and we'll... They put their giant yellow excavator on the pad and dug in front of it, literally inches from our front steps that had been newly laid. (laughs) And I hear a woo-woo! They not only located our sewer line, which was down there, they located a very old indication of a water line, and it's not working, and it's not where we thought, and it's deeper, and it's broken. But upon finding it, the city agreed that since they had laid this line, it was their responsibility to maintain the line. Yes, to repair it and get it workable for us. So it is still our expense to get the new plumbing and the new sewer lines and all that from the house to the new meter at the curb, which is what we expected. Yeah, we always knew that was going to be our responsibility. What we didn't expect and what we were thrilled to have to forego was all this talk of going beyond the curb, jackhammering up the street, going through the median, and jackhammering the other street. And upon finding that line, they actually said to repair it, we don't even have to jackhammer it, we can burrow under the street. Yeah, they can bore a Bore, sleeve. that's what they yes, called it. Not burrow, they're not moles. <laughs> so they can bore and hopefully have it reconnected and functioning within a few weeks. I cried tears of joy on the porch. I hugged a man, although I was very, very sweaty from tiling. He seemed charmed yet also off-put by my gestures of emotion and I think everyone understood I said I'm sorry I'm crying it's just like eight months of doing this house and to get to tiling where I picture putting my toilet down and then to learn like maybe I will never have a toilet in this house it's like taking an emotional toll and they were very sweet and we're super grateful of the city for digging and finding it for us and we even had our plumber run over while everything was dug up so he could see exactly what was going on down there so it feels like all the right parties are talking to each other. I have faith it's going to happen. In a nutshell, this was a $15,000 bullet dodge. So I am thrilled and grateful. Well, it's a bullet we didn't know was headed in our direction. 
at all for the longest time. I think it's just a testament to sort of the unforeseen challenges of any renovation. I don't think any part of us when we bought this house thought that this would be a saga we would have to endure. I mean, it would granted only like 10 days, but it had some very high highs and very low lows, let's say. Our friend who's a TV producer was saying like, this is the commercial break drama. Like, this is where you'll be crying on the porch, them saying they didn't find anything. We'll go to break, and we'd come back, and they'd be like, we found it. It's in front of the parking pad. Right. It's that fake tensions that happens before the commercial break of an HGTV show or something. except it was very real tension. It was not set up. At one point, I was crying, and the neighbor was, like, patting my sweaty back. You know, when there's an excavator in front of your house, it's hard to hide. So people came out of all their houses to see what was going on. And I was, like, you know, tearing up and just saying, like, everyone has a meter in front of their house. Why is ours the one with the meter like four houses over and it's a broken line and and nothing was straightforward about it but it almost made it that much more amazing when they were like we found something like you would have thought I found a dinosaur pelvis like I was like oh my gosh or we struck oil but all it was was an old busted water line (laughs) I celebrated for 30 seconds and then went back to Tylee (laughs) I literally was like my body is still mourning not having a water line. Like, it took my brain a little second to catch up when they were like, we got it, it's all going to be fine. I was like, why am I still crying? <laughs> <laughs> so, happy ending, ultimately. Yeah, it probably affected our timeline by about a month from beginning to when it will be finished. But the good news is we can still do things. We were able to tile and use a wet saw without any water because our sweet neighbor was letting us yeah, take buckets of Yeah, we just used the neighbor's hose. The community is actually very sweet and, and having these issues and speaking with the city and working with our neighbors, it's brought us closer. We went yes. through like a tough time together. Well, and actually speaking of that, I think that leads us to our next segment, which is something that we call, <laughs> well, that's embarrassing. As you may have guessed, this segment features a one Sherry Petersig, yes. <laughs> who is always doing embarrassing things, apparently. And this one is a doozy. I didn't even tell John until we were driving home after all the hours of tiling. And I was like, oh, funny side story. We had met a neighbor who's kind of far away. like at the She's end at the of- opposite end of our street. Yes. And she's so sweet. And she was like, oh, you guys live in that pink house that's being redone. And I said, yeah, do you want to come in and see what we're doing? Because we've discovered in this neighborhood, everyone is an old house enthusiast. Many of us have renovated them ourselves. So she wanted to come in and see what we were doing. You know, not that exciting. It was tile and drywall. But hers is in a much more finished state. So she said, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. So she came through our house and she was, you know, oh, your little stained glass is cute. Oh, the back staircase. Oh, your railings are sweet. And then she basically said, come see my house. Her house is fantastic. It's like the most amazing restoration. It's giant. It has like a gazebo and a third floor and fish scale tiles. It's it's like a masterpiece. Sherry was regaling me with stories of it on the way home. And I was like, did you take any pictures? And she was like, well, no, I wasn't a creeper. I was not a creeper. But you were but saying, you were like, oh, we have to house crash this house at some point. I was fangirling over her, like dying over how good her landscaping was and her furniture and her lighting and her floor planning and her paint colors. It's a masterpiece. She even had an iPad. She was like a lady like me. She even had an iPad? No, no. She even had an iPad full of old pictures to show oh, me the before okay. and afters, which is literally what I do. Like if someone sees my house, I'm like, you have got oh, to see what was there before. We used to have before. a photo album in our old house. We were like, oh, would you like to see the before photos? It was like a baby book. <laughs> it's so, you could tell she'd done the tour a thousand times. She's like, I did this, I did that. This is an old stained glass piece. I retrofitted as a door. Like amazing. She was like you in 15 years. She was. 
I loved this lady. And everyone had told me she was awesome. Her house stunned me. And so she's walking me through and I had introduced myself and I would introduced her to John when she came through the house and told me she was going to show me hers. And she was showing me around and she introduced me to her husband. And she said, this is Laura, referring to me. And I was like, do I correct her? I'm, I'm just going to let it pass. And so then we walk through the house. You're like, I can be Laura for a few minutes. It's I know. Fine. I'm like, she, we'll both forget each other's names. This is great. And then later she's walking me through the house and she's going, Laura, would you believe there was a radiator here? And I'm like, she's really. Oh, she doubled down. She's attached to the name Laura. Now I'm associated with the name Laura. And then she's showing me the rest of the house and we're leaving and we're talking about our kids because she has a daughter and a son and I have a daughter and a son. And she's telling me, I'm really bad at names. I always forget names. And I'm like, me too. And I'm like, is this a window? Should I be like, by the way, I'm Sherry. That's what I would have jumped in. I was tongue tied. I didn't know what to you do. should have been like, Laura's my middle name, but I usually go by oh my, my first gosh, name. Oh my gosh, I should have. I just shoulda woulda coulda in the moment and I was like okay we're, we're agreeing that we're forgetful about names so this is no worries I'll just correct her next time and then she goes but Laura I won't forget yours because my best friend's name is Laura so I'll always know that you're Laura <laughs> and at this moment I was like I'm just gonna have to change my name to Laura <laughs> in Cape Charles I will be known as Laura <laughs> So, guys, that's where I am. I think maybe the next time I see her, maybe in front of her, John, you can be like, Sherry, Sherry. And then it will like refuse. Behind your back, I'll be like, this is my little pet name for Laura. (laughs) I don't know what to do. I love this woman, probably most of everyone. I I love her. And maybe I'll just go by Laura. (laughs) I don't know. I don't see another solution. (laughs) Well, Laura, I have a game for you. So as you guys know, this is a section we often call what's not, where I'm going to give Sherry a list of things in a certain category. All are real except for one that I've made up. She has to tell me what's real and what's not. And this one comes from a list from Good Housekeeping, and it's entitled Seven Things You Should Clean Every Single Day. Okay. I feel like I'm good at this, although I can't think of seven things. I think like wipe You're down good your... at actually cleaning? No, I'm not good at cleaning. I'm good at knowing and guilting myself about not cleaning things say, every day. This article made me feel like a very dirty person. I'm sure of some of them, but I can't come up with seven. Okay, well, I'm only going to give you five. Okay. But one is a fake. You tell me which one. Number one, hand towels. No, that's so wasteful. Is this a germaphobe article? Because you know how I feel about that. I'm neutral face. Okay. Number two, your remotes. I believe someone would say if you wipe those down quickly every day, you would stop spreading stuff. Number three, shower walls. That I believe every time you shower, so that could be daily. Some people say you should squeegee them. I can't live like that. (laughs) See, I told you it makes you feel very dirty. (laughs) Number four, any dirty dishes. Yeah, I believe that. Of course. And number five, your coffee maker. I mean, I don't really know how a coffee maker works, but I assume maybe every time you run grinds through it, you're supposed to rinse it, and that might be called cleaning it. I'm going to say the hand towel. That is extremely wasteful if you're washing your hand towels every day. I don't even wash our body towels every day. I don't wipe our remotes every day. I can't live with the wiping the shower every day. I don't feel dirty, though. I feel I feel like not type A. Like, I don't need to run around with wipes and get, like, the bacteria off everything. Well, so you're saying hand towels. Yes. You are wrong. Really? Yes, because according to a USDA-funded study, oh. your kitchen hand towels are the most contaminated spot in yeah, the room. Yeah, but let me tell you something else. Everything has germs on it. Do you touch money? Money has germs on it. Not if you clean it every day. Exactly. People <laughs> said they found like poop particles on money. 
And I'm like, okay, but you're not laundering your money. You shouldn't be. You should be watching Ozarks. Side note. Ozark. Ozark. It's basically Breaking Bad, and Breaking Bad is my all-time favorite series of- But about money laundering. But about money laundering instead of making meth. And Jason Bateman instead of- Who is that guy? What's Walter White's name? (laughs) Can't think of the actor's name. Well, you know who I'm talking about, everyone. Oh, it's so good. Anyways, the fake one was your remotes. That was not on the list. But that's the same principle, right? Probably. I mean, a lot of them are just saying some of these things are hotbeds for uh, bacteria or like, for instance, the dirty dishes. It just can attract bugs and stuff if you have food crumbs. Another one on the list was crumb covered floors. I don't think they were necessarily saying you should like mop your floors every day, but you should definitely get a bit of food particles and stuff that could attract pests. Let me tell you guys a tip. Just get a dog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they eat all the crumbs. It's amazing. We call Burger the Roomba. Now, if you could just teach your dog to wash your hand towels every day. Seriously. No, I, I refuse. Well, I think probably the smarter thing to do is just to have several so that you don't aren't using one more than a day and then you can do a batch. Can I load. say something controversial though? I believe that we need to be exposed to germs. Eliminating germs makes your body incredibly inefficient at dealing with oh, germs. Oh, no, now she's turning into Dr. Sherry. We, Dr. Laura. We cannot live in a bubble. Well, my brother, who is a PhD and works on cancer and Alzheimer research, has told me that things that eliminate too many germs, like those super antibacterial soaps, are terrible because your body can't deal with germs. We need to be exposed to germs. I think you're talking above your pay grade here. I probably am. I just think a little bacteria never hurt. Don't give me MRSA. I'm not asking for MRSA. I just think... We can't all live in a bubble. Well, if you guys would like to see this full list of seven things you should clean every single day, whether you agree or not, I will put a link to it in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. And don't yell at me if you guys are super clean. My best friend, super, super clean. That's her thing. I'm more of an organizer. But us, super, super dirty. <laughs> super, super bacteria laden. Still have thin set under my nails from yesterday. Yeah, Took a too. shower and scrubbed them. Still under there. Yeah, it's looking pretty gross up in here. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into We're Digging, but first we're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Annie Selkie Companies, who are taking over Annie's hometown of Lenox, Massachusetts this summer with a pair of exciting announcements. So you guys are opening up a bed and breakfast. What gave you guys the idea to do that? It's always been on my bucket list to have an inn, just because, you know, we're all about a good night's sleep. And it's been really, really fun figuring out all the window treatments and what the design is and working on what's going to be for breakfast. Oh, and we just developed our own shampoo and conditioner and body wash and soap. So picking out like all those little details that make a stay lovely, it's fun. The inn is called 33 Main, and clearly Annie is bringing the same attention to detail, design, and performance that you already expect from her rugs, bedding, furniture, and I guess soon shampoo and conditioner. And actually, right across the street from the inn, they've opened up an Annie Selkie pop-up shop. So even if you're not staying the night, you can bring something extra cozy and fun back home with you. We'll put a link in the show notes to a preview of the inn. Yeah, even the before pictures are beautiful. And you can save 15% on your next Annie Selkie order with the code YHL15. Again, that's A-N-N-I-E-S-E-L-K-E dot com slash YHL, and the code is YHL15. This week, I'm digging something that came in very handy during our tile palooza, our tile extravaganza. Tile apocalypse. <laughs> There's a lot of things you could put at the end of tile, yes, guys. Yes, I'm a fan of all these suffixes. Let's just <laughs> say that. Before I get into what I'm digging, let's let's just back up for anyone who didn't see any of the Instagrams about this. 
we finally did get to go to the beach house to do some tiling. It was the week after our vacation. We just um, booked a night at a hotel, left the kids with my parents back in Richmond so that we could just like buckle down and tile the floors of three bathrooms and a mudroom. So four different rooms across two days. We went into it not really knowing if we could do that. Right. Like what, we were what's like, reasonable here? Are we really overestimating our ability or really underestimating it? And I, we were going to stay for like a day and a half of tiling and it ended up being two full days of tiling, but we got all of it done. So it feels great to just be like, all the floors in our house are tiled. We need to do the showers still, but every room that needs tile on the floors has it. Yes. So we got there at like, what, 10 a.m. on a Monday and basically unloaded and tiled until we lost light because we have no power inside the house yet. We also don't have any air conditioning inside the house. So there were moments in which (laughs) I thought I was going to pass out. At hour one, John's entire shirt was wet. Places I didn't know could sweat, just coming out of all the pores. On tops of my thighs. His legs were sweaty. And another illustration of just how sweaty we both were is that in 10 hours, the first day of tiling, John drank maybe four or five bottles of Gatorade or coconut water water or water. Yeah, various things. And he went to the bathroom zero times. Yes. He sweated profusely all the liquids in his body right back out again. I did go to the bathroom one time in 10 hours. But that's like a personal best for me because I'm usually going every hour. I feel like this episode is going to places I did not intend it to go. (laughs) We just were very, very sweaty and hot and bending a lot and going down to use the wet side of cut towels and running back up. Yeah, a lot of up and down stairs. It was crouching you know like the squatting where your thighs were starting to shake your knees are starting to buckle like you just we were maxing out if we were crossfitters it would be amazing it was beast mode basically (laughs) the first day we did 10 hours the next day we did 11 yeah, we started at eight and we went till seven. So, like, but some of that was clean some of that up was and, prep. So and yeah, I went over to the neighbors to look at her amazing right. house. Let's just say Sherry was a bit distracted. Sometimes. <laughs> Second day, John was just fueled by an apple and a granola bar. That's all he had for eleven hours. I mean, he drank a ton of sports drinks. I don't know. It's something in me. Whenever I'm really focused on something, the first thing that goes is my appetite. So it's probably not the healthiest choice, but I was like, you cannot get dehydration. We will not finish. No, the I dial. was drinking plenty. But anyways, since we didn't have power in the house that first night, we were working up in a a bathroom that got lots of light right until sunset. But we knew we might want to work a little bit beyond that. So what I bought in advance of going was this little Ryobi OnePlus area light. So it's that kind of like neon green Ryobi stuff that works off of the rechargeable batteries, the same one that our nailer and our drill work off of. That is a compelling thing about it is when you already have the battery, you're like, oh, I'll buy the other things that go with the battery because it's cheaper and you already have part of it. Yeah, because we own work lights, but we only had one working outlet in the whole house and it was on the outside. So I knew I wouldn't be able to use my plug-in work light. So I wanted to bring one that was battery operated. And I felt a little bit silly buying one just for the specific task because it was $30. And I sent John in for a headlamp, let me just tell you. I said, go in there, $5, get a headlamp. So, But this is the thing that pushed me over the edge is that it also has a USB charger. Since I knew we'd be in this house all day without the ability to charge our phones. Yes, it ended up being very handy because yeah. at one point my phone was down to 1% and I plugged it in. And it, it has this little button you can push on it. It indicates how much battery life it still has left. So I was able to determine we'd have enough light and 
I could charge my phone because the battery life was still really high on it. Oh, and it. I had two extra batteries. Don't you worry. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, we didn't even go through one. It was no. very impressive. It's a rare circumstance that you're in a house and you don't have electricity and might need it to charge your phone and to work with, but it was super handy. And I think it's nice being cordless anyway. Like yeah. once you have power, it's nice to not have to plug in anyway. And you have these batteries everywhere because they're what works with all of our tools. So it's... Not this random piece of equipment that doesn't go with the rest of the stuff we have. So I'll put a link to this in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. Again, it's the Ryobi One Plus Area Light with USB charger. <laughs> uh, on the Home Depot website, it says it's available online only, but I found mine in store. So I don't know. Maybe some stores have it. <laughs> We've got a special store. <laughs> Very special store. Well, what I'm digging this week is a live podcast that we actually both had the privilege of attending in D.C. a few weeks ago. Since our podcast might have little ears listening, I won't say the full name of the podcast recording we went to. I'll call it B-Sesh. And the B stands for female dog. I have listened to this podcast for a very long time because a few of my friends told me about it. And it has Casey Wilson, who used to be on SNL, and this girl named Danielle Schneider. And they just have this really funny banter. And it's a Housewives recap. So every week... I watch The Housewives and I listen to B-Sesh and I almost enjoy B-Sesh more than the act of watching Housewives now. Their reactions to things that I react to, it's like you hear your friends talk about something that you care a lot about and I'm going to be honest, only a few of my friends watch Housewives in real life. So it's nice to have these like online podcast friends who will notice the weird thing in the background I noticed or the weird turn of phrase that someone used when Ramona butchers an idiom. It's so funny to me and others I've learned from this podcast. And so John actually surprised me for our anniversary, which I wasn't even expecting anything for because we had gone to Puerto Rico. But he came up to me holding tickets and I was like, what is this for? Like a concert? And it was for the live recording of B-Sesh in DC. So we went in for the day and he had three tickets because he'd actually gotten one for my sister-in-law who loves Housewives too. So the two of us were going and John also got one for himself, not because he cares about Housewives, but because he cares about podcasting. Yes. Let me, I'll break down my relationship with B-Sesh. <laughs> I, um, the Housewives when it's on is my nap session. Yeah. I basically Nap fall, sesh. Yeah, Exactly. I fall asleep and Sherry wakes up and says, did you see that? I'll say, no. I'll be like, Luann fell twice and it was so amazing. And her little leg was flopping out of a bush. But we often listen to podcasts together in the car. So I actually hear more about it from B-Sesh than I do from actually seeing the show on television. So it is it is very entertaining. They're very funny, right? Yeah, Even when they talk about general life. Yeah. I think there are a lot of sort of like TV breakdown or recap podcasts out there. Like I know there's a Survivor one too that's very I've popular. I've heard there's a Bachelor one, but I, my friends say it's not too good. Oh, so I think it's just of that genre. And these two hosts happen to be very entertaining. So when I saw they were coming to DC, which is only two hours from us, I thought, one, you would enjoy it. And two... I could see a little bit behind the scenes of like how their podcast is put together and what the live version of a podcast might look like. Yeah, John was like, I'm there for the tech. I'm going to watch how they do the recording. I'm going to watch what mics they have. I'm going to watch where they stand, if they bounce around a lot. I'm going to see what happens in the live show that is not then aired later. Yeah, which it turns out lots, guys. Yeah. There's like a lot of visuals. There was a dance number. There was a dance number. There were lots of clip shows where you were watching a screen. Yeah, they had like little short produced videos. Those are not on a podcast because you know what? Video does not work very well in this format. I think if you're probably charging people to come sit in an auditorium, the clip shows and the dance numbers spice it up so it's not just too people chatting yeah it felt like, more like a show like a more of a production right i think they had to give you more visual because you're sitting there watching it so basically what we're saying is when we take young house love has no. a podcast on the road there'll be a dance number 
it was really funny. They were even more charming in person, and there were a billion people there. And I, mean, I was, was not packed. the only guy. No. John was all equated to, you know when you're in a mall or a store, and there's a guy standing by the fitting room, like holding a purse and waiting for his wife, and then another guy comes in, and he's standing by the fitting room holding a purse and waiting for his wife, and the two guys make eye contact and kind of nod knowingly at each other. That was John with the other males at this podcast. They were all like, you're here with your wife, me too. Thanks for listening to Young House Love has a podcast. And while I try to pry my creaky bones out of this recording chair, could you guys do us a solid and leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts? I know it sounds weird, but if you want to do it, you actually have to search for us in the podcast app. And once you do that, you'll see a reviews tab where you can leave one. They are a huge help. So thank you. Thank you. And keep telling us what you do while you listen. Like Trisha on Instagram, who got pulled over while listening in her car, but kept the podcast going to calm her nerves. You know, maybe we're good luck because she got off with a warning. And don't forget to check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode. Like some photos of our tiling progress and our yard all dug up at the beach house. It was a hot mess, you guys. Later. Bye. So this week, what I'm digging is a live podcast Brian Cranston. recording. <laughs> You're it, came right. to, it came to me. Brian Cranston is the guy from Breaking Bad. He is Walter White. Okay. I'm sorry. How could we ever forget that? I don't know. All we I could think you, of was Brian Malcolm Cranston. in the Middle. Malcolm in the Middle, Dad. I'm sure that Brian Cranston is listening, and he's terribly disappointed that we he forgot is. his name. We yes. could never forget you. Best yes. series ever.